Hi, it's David here. It's uh, currently Wednesday, the 22nd of July, as I'm uh, editing today's episode. And um, some news has broken, which has hit me personally really, really hard. Um, one of the tangents we went on in this week's episode was uh, about music. And I mentioned uh, rather offhandedly a band which uh, more than any other has... Uh, had an enormous impact on my life, that band being Cardiacs. And um, today I found out that the 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 genius, and I, I use that word in its fullest sense, the, the, the genius behind Cardiacs, Tim Smith, um, has sadly passed away at the age of 59. Um, and I, I know this is completely unrelated to Doctor Who, but the, the work of Tim Smith and... Cardiacs and his various other projects um, has for long, for, for decades, been completely under the radar for uh, the majority of people. Uh, it's had very little uh, mainstream media attention. Um, but his legacy, I think, will continue to grow and grow um, even uh, with his passing. Um because it, it, it is truly extraordinary, unique music, unlike anything else you may ever hear. Um, and it has personally affected me so profoundly, so deeply in my life that I couldn't just let this slide, given that we had actually, uh, that, that I had actually already mentioned him, uh, Cardiacs, in, in passing in this week's episode. So I just wanted to, I, I guess tip the hat more more formally at the top of uh, today's episode uh, and just say thank you to the wonderful brilliant mind of tim smith um the world is poorer uh, without it if you are interested in his music uh you could do a lot worse than starting with the album a little man and a house and the whole world window that's where i began um and it, it's extraordinary stuff so um Thanks for humouring me with this, uh, and I now return you to uh, your scheduled weekly dose of Who-related nonsense. Cheerio. Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the submersible Matt. Hello there. So, um... So this week we've got pretty good adventure. Yes? Oh, go, go straight a, a in chap there. And, you know, his young female sidekick fighting monsters. Uh-huh. You're not talking about Doctor Who, are you? No, this week I finished The Last of Us on PS4. Mm -hmm. Really good. Enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed it more than this episode. I'll tell you that for free. Mm, okay. Uh, well, let's 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 do it then. The old the old ranking system. Good episode to bad episode. Where are you ranking Cold War by Mark Gatiss? Somewhere between bad episode, some good bits, and just bad episode. Ah, uh, really didn't get but, on with it then. But with a big asterisk. Okay. Because I do, think do this you... might be the best Mark Gatiss episode we've seen. A lot of people would agree with you on that, 
actually. But as far as you're concerned, that's still damning it with faint praise. Well, I don't know. Like, I did enjoy it to an extent. Yeah. But it would not have mattered if we didn't watch this episode. I mean, sure, but you can't... You, that's not a metric by which to judge an individual Doctor Who story, I don't feel like, because you are going to get episodes that are just adventures of the week. That is a big part of the show. Always has been, always will be. And this... Just judging it purely on, is it an entertaining 45 minutes... My personal feeling is, yes, it absolutely is. And yeah, I agree with you. I, I think I, it's I would, a strong story. I would probably agree with that. But every episode we've seen so far in this little half series has all been around, you know, who is Clara and the Doctor's, yeah. like, obsession. But he's just sort of put that on hold for a week. <laughs> well, he doesn't really have time in this episode. It's, it's You know, there's more pressing concerns. You know, such as not drowning to death or being torn apart by a rampaging ice warrior. I don't know. Do you want? Um, well, well, whilst we've mentioned the ice warrior, one thing yes. that I think irked me a little bit uh-huh. is because you never see it fully out of its armor. No, I don't feel its hands matched its head. Yeah, well, I, I think we'll talk in more detail about the the d armoured ice warrior as we go because i have strong feelings on the matter Mm -hmm. um but it's it's one of the reasons this episode got made at all um so for context i i guess you picked up on the fact that ice warriors are a classic yeah monster basically whenever there's like a new monster introduced if it looks a bit rubbish i just assume it's a classic (laughs) one or if it's just like a man in a suit yeah, well, you see, this was um, Stephen Moffat's concern. He was very wary of reintroducing the Ice Warriors uh, for this very reason. He thought they were kind of almost your stereotype of what a rubbish Doctor Who monster is. Mm. And it's a slightly sort of naff costume. They move really slowly. They shamble about. In the original episodes, most of the time, they talk like in a really hoarse whisper mm. which is makes them quite hard to understand a lot of the time um, so uh, Gatiss was obviously one of the things was he, he suggested that they maybe ease up on the on the whisperiness <laughs> maybe have it a little bit faster and um, his big pitch to, to Moffat other than the submarine setting was let's see it out of the armour because that had never been done in the classic series. Mm-hmm. Was, was it always determined that they were like reptilian? I think it was strongly implied. I can't really remember that closely, but uh, you know, because as I say, you just you never really saw them outside of that casing. They're all just shambling around around in that. But the, it it'd been a long period of time between. Um, because even the classic series kind of dropped them after the third Doctor's era. They're la- the, uh, they had four major stories in um, the classic series. Um, two with Patrick Troughton, two with uh, John Pertwee, the last being 1974, Monster Peladon. After that, they don't really feature uh-huh. at all. Um until, uh, until this episode. So it's a, it's a huge gap. Um but I'm really glad they do come back because one of the things that I like about the Ice Warriors and it's something that we don't get enough in 
in Who, modern or classic, is alien races that aren't pure good or pure evil. Yeah. Because he's, like, he's a horrible bloke, but he's like a Viking. Well, Do you know what I mean? It's... It made me think of, like, the Sontarans in that, you know, they're not necessarily good, not necessarily bad. They just like a good fight every now and again. Yeah, it kind it is kind of similar. They they're this very warlike people, um, and but even going back into the classic series, by the time you reach the the, the Pertwee era stories, the Peladon stories, Curse of Peladon, Monster of Peladon, they are antagonists, but they're not outright evil. They're not just dumb monsters the way mm-hmm. Daleks or Cybermen or something are. Um, so I think that's that's kind of interesting. So I I'm, I was delighted when they brought um, the Ice Warriors back for uh, uh, the modern series. What do you make of the design? I've just googled classic Ice Warriors. Yeah, and they just the, used to have like buckets on their head. Yeah, I think it's a good updating. I feel I feel like it's very true to the spirit of the original costumes, but it feels more contemporary. It it, it you know. It's hard because I feel I feel like you look at it in, in the cold light of day and you're like, no one would design a suit of armour looking like that now mm. for a modern sci-fi show. You wouldn't make it look like, like that. But I feel similar to what they did with the Silurians when they brought those back. Mm-hmm. I feel like they found a good compromise overall uh, with, the, with the look of the costume from the classic series, bringing that sort of into something that's kind of going to withstand the HD treatment, if you like. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll get to what it looks like outside of the armour. That's, you know, a discussion for later in this episode, <laughs> I feel like. But yeah, overall, I really like this story. Like, I don't think it's... I don't think it's um, a game-changer of a story by any means. It's... It's not, like, overly ambitious. I think it just does what it sets out to do extremely well. You know, the premise is, let's explore the Cold War, let's go with the submarine setting and play into the claustrophobia of that, and let's bring back the Ice Warriors. It does all of those things, Mm -hmm. like, really effectively, I think. So I'm really fond of it. I I wonder if I would have liked it more if I was... First of all, a real Doctor Who fan. I, I mean, yes, definitely. I think that would have helped. <laughs> that always helps. And secondly, <laughs> you know, because we're watching... I've pretty much watched one episode of Doctor Who every week for the past two years. Yes. I think if it was more spaced out as it was when released, I'd probably have been like pining for it a bit more. Potentially, yeah. Is the fatigue starting to set in a little bit with this God, project? No, that's set in years ago. <laughs> like, literally two years ago. We're, we're nearly two. at our two-year anniversary. It's crazy, isn't it? And we're fast approaching our 100th episode as well. I know. What are we going to do that's special? Oh, I, I know what we're going to do. Don't worry. That sounded sinister, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, if I wake up one day, like, chained to a radiator, <laughs> watching just, Doctor Who. I just say, oh, God, it was the 99th last week. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Oh. Yeah, no, so, I, I've got plans. I've got plans. I, I might plan something as well. 
Uh, well, um, yeah, so I, I think that's probably enough preamble for this one. I don't have a lot else to, to say other than like getting into the sort of nuts and bolts of this story. So um, uh, shall we... Shall we I'm just uh, trying to think if I've seen anything. Oh, I was watching TV last night and Bernard Cribbins was on Would I Lie to You on Dave. Oh, yeah. Was he good? Uh, yes and no. It made me like <laughs> fall in love with him all over again. Uh-huh. Because he's such a nice guy, he, he refused to believe anyone was ever lying. Yeah, you could, you can't imagine Bernard Cribbins willingly lying to you. Yeah, you don't want him to be like Jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was, he was just nice to be reminded of him. He's just, he's just a lovely human being, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. Um, yeah. Oh, I will tell you what. If we're going to talk about other stuff we've been watching, um. I've not watched all of it yet, but I have now seen the first half of Hamilton. Okay. And I do not get the hype. You're an absolute fool. I just... Look, okay, I, I don't want to completely derail this podcast, but I, I'm not anti-musical. I want to get that out of the way, first of all. I like musicals. I love Disney musicals. Obviously, I know this wasn't a Disney thing, but it's now being released through Disney, and so mm-hmm. it kind of it almost has that quality to it in some ways. Obviously, different because it's taking influences from hip-hop and stuff like that. The, the things that I really struggled with with Hamilton so far, obviously, I'm only at the intermission, could could still save it. Well, well, maybe we'll check in next week when hopefully I'll have finished it by then. Um, I find it very hard to care about anyone. Really, <laughs> in Hamilton? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I, I wouldn't say when I watched it, I did really enjoy it, but yeah. I didn't watch it like edge of the seat, wanting to you know know everything that's going on. No, but it's it was basically like I just had a really nice three hours like passive experience with a bit of music yeah i don't know i just i i expected to be more engaged with it like through the the the, um you know i wanted the characters to come to life more if that makes sense but they they kind of didn't and the end result is it kind of feels a little bit jingoistic Mm-hmm. Like you know, and it, and it, which I find odd because it's not really it's it's not the it's quite a lot of quite lefty Americans who absolutely adore Hamilton, but I'm just like you really need to stop being like so proud of your written constitution, America, because it's a terrible idea, you know, having having more or less immutable laws because that's not how societies function. Societies change over time, and you need laws to change with them. Um, what, what, so, what's been your favourite song from Hamilton so far? Oh man, it's because it, it all just runs one into the next. It's kind of hard for me to pick it out. Um, I quite like the jewel. Really? song uh, uh, the the sequence around the, the duel i thought that was quite effective uh i think i think helpless might be my favorite song the one that his wife sings uh, yeah i found that really schmaltzy i'll be honest <laughs> that was too much for me but yeah i don't know i i, I wanted to like it i don't i don't enjoy being like this curmudgeonly naysayer I, I always go into something wanting to enjoy it, 
but I really am struggling with Hamilton so far. But anyway, we'll see. Maybe I'll have changed my tune completely by uh, by next week. Yeah. So, um, so rather than slating world famous phenomenon Hamilton, why don't <laughs> why don't we talk about an average episode of Doctor Who? Yeah, and talk about From it the in, ridiculous in to the sublime, glowing terms. In my case, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so Cold War, mm-hmm. Season 7, Episode 9, written by Mark Gatiss, from the 13th of April, 2013. Yes, indeedy. Day after my dad's birthday. Ah. So, straight off the bat, yes, you were right, it is literally about the Cold War. Mm-hmm. But also, we do kind of get icy aliens in this, so it's yeah. kind of like... It's, I mean... My big know, prediction that a the clever... North Pole was a spaceship let me down. No, but we did get a spaceship at the North Pole, so... Yeah. Not too far off. Yeah. So, we open at the North Pole. It's 1983. hmm And we're in a submarine, as you've already said. And the captain yeah. is Captain Zukov. Yes. Played by Liam Cunningham of yes. Game of Thrones fame. Played Sir Davos Seaworth. Indeed he did. Uh, good casting for this. I think so, yeah, but he's good yeah. in everything I've seen him. Yeah, he's just he's just got that very likeable sort of gruff charisma. And actually, did you know, he was a contender for the Eighth Doctor. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. He auditioned for that part that eventually went to Paul McGann. Um, very different. Like, I mean, I, to be fair, I've only seen him in his more recent career. I don't know what he was like back in the mid-90s when he was younger. Mm-hmm. But I find it so hard to imagine. I can't imagine him embodying the Eighth Doctor the way Paul McGann does with this kind of um, uh, sort of romantic, wide-eyed uh, charm that 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 uh, Paul McGann has. So, yeah, um, I think he would. I, if he was to be a doctor, which I think is a possibility, I mean, probably not in terms of actually likelihood of him being casted, but there's no reason he couldn't play a doctor. But I could, I would imagine them him being a gruffer doctor in the mould of, say, your, your Hartnells or your Pertwees or something. Yeah, you couldn't see him palling around in the way that Matt Smith and Tennant did. No, no. Absolutely not. But anyway, yeah. So, so um, playing playing the captain of a, of a Russian sub in this, and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so, sticking with the Game of Thrones theme. We Absolutely. Then have, I don't know whether it's his first mate, but it's basically the only other person on the ship that matters. Is well, is almost Stepashin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Played by Tobias Menzies. Yeah. Who was he... Ed Muir Tully. Yeah, has he ever played a non Weasley character? No, but he's got the sort of face for it, hasn't he? You I think know, that's it. It's a shame a that it just it. comes down to that, but uh, yeah. yeah. Instantly dislikable in this. All he wants to do is blow the world up. Yeah, <laughs> which is not, not an admirable goal, I don't feel like. Yeah, I get the feeling he doesn't even want to do it for the Russian cause. I think he just wants to do it in the same way that, like, if you told a child not to press a big red button. Yeah. He's just bored. He's like, you know, I, I, you know I'm on this submarine full of big fuck-off nuclear missiles and we never get to fire any of them. What's the point? Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the opening crawl before the titles is them about to fire a nuke. Then mm-hmm. they stop. 
then he just complains. He's like, oh, come on, press the button. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, uh, so they're stopped by a professor who's on mm-hmm. board. Yeah. Who looks Play, played Vox. Yes, played by David Warner. Are you familiar with David Warner? Uh, I recognise him, but I couldn't tell you anything he's been in. He's just one of those, like, just proper old school actors. My my first exposure to him was uh, he played the villain in the original Tron. Uh, yeah, I've just got his Wikipedia. He was in uh, Star Trek as well. Yeah, yeah, he's just just a proper, like, British thespian type. Yeah. And, like Liam Cunningham, was a strong contender to be a doctor at one point. Well, he looks a lot like the first doctor. Yeah, he was um he was the top choice for a couple of writers who who write, wrote a lot during the sixth doctor era when when they were looking to move on to the seventh doctor, he was um he was one of the ones that that they suggested, but that ultimately went to Sylvester McCoy. Mm-hmm. But uh I think Big Finish have actually done an audio or two with David Warner as like a sort of it's parallel funny universe you say that, doctor. On his Wikipedia, I was worried I'd like spoilt it for myself. Yeah. That like, um, I've just gone on his like, well, I clicked on what video games he'd voiced. And right. There was a thing that shows that he's done a lot of Doctor Who. And I was like, oh, no, he might come back, but it's just audio <laughs> adventures. Yeah, it's all audio stuff. Um, but I am quite interested to hear what his Doctor is, is like. I, I just, I love, I love sort of alternate Doctors and, and like uh, things like that. I think it's a fascinating thing because it's like, it's such a wide open part. It's just really interesting to think what any given actor would do with that role. Um, yeah, well, one of them that he's done. I've just clicked on the top one. An audio yeah. drama called Sympathy for the Devil. I don't know if you know that. I've heard of it. I it, think it's, it, it does it's get po- good reviews. Yeah, it seems to be like a what-if scenario. Yeah, there was a whole range that that, that Big Finish did um, called Doctor Who Unbound. So it was basically non-continuity riffs on various what-if scenarios. So it's like... Um, yeah, what 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 if? Uh, yeah, because there's one like, where if... the the doctor and the brigadier land on Scaro and meet Davos. Yeah. yeah, and there's one famously the first woman to ever. Uh, uh, oh well, it depends how you define it, but um, one of the first attempts to do a female take on the doctor was uh, what a, an unbound adventure with uh, Arabella Weir playing the doctor. Um, but yeah, I've not listened to any of the Unbounds yet. Um, but it's a it's an interesting idea, and I'm quite keen to do some of them one day. Maybe even we'll do one on the podcast. Who knows? He even um, did some voicing in the original Fallout game and Baldur's Gate Two. Ah, well, there you go. Anyway, good egg, David Warner. I like him a lot. I think he's good in this. Um, it, and he's kind of like not playing his normal type. It's quite nice. He's doing sort of a cuddly professor who, yeah. yes, loves loves Western pop music. Yeah. Do you like Ultravox? No. No, me neither. <laughs> I only really not know that one song and I absolutely hate it. Yeah, I don't I don't mind some synth poppy stuff, but uh, yeah, Ultravox song. But also, Midge Ewer is the lead singer, isn't he? And I believe so. He yeah. did a cover. Or oh, is that Eurythmics? No, 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 because that's no. Dave Stewart and Oh, Annie yes, it Lennox. is. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But he did a cover of Man Who Sold the World, the David oh, Bowie song. Oh, Bowie song, yeah. And it's the opening song on Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh-huh. And it's an awful cover. I hated it. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You've, you've got to, I feel like if you're going to cover Bowie, you've got to do something ambitious with it. Because you're, you're very unlikely to top the original. Yeah. I, I would just say don't even try. That's pretty solid advice. Like, I, I'm a very, very big David Bowie fan. Even mm, likewise. Bad Bowie, I still consider pretty good. Yeah, I mean, what what would you define as bad Bowie? Everyone has a different... Well, not necessarily bad Bowie, but like mid-90s Bowie, Little Wonder, where he went yeah. there, you know, Heavy Dance. Not his yeah. best work, but I still, like, I really like Little Wonder as a song. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's still ambitious. Mm. The, the, the thing that I always admire about Bowie is that he was, he was restless uh, as a... He could very easily have just coasted on the Ziggy Stardust persona and just milked that for all it was worth. Mm. But he got bored. You know, he was always wanting to do something different. Um... And not stay in the same mode for too long, and I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, um, he he was brilliant. Anyway. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, we've gotten very sidetracked very early on, as per usual. Good. Shall we? Shall we? <laughs> let's let's get let's really rattle through this one. Yeah. So the the professor, once he stopped them, he suggests that they found something in the ice. Yeah. And it's most likely a mammoth. Spoiler, so, not a mammoth. No, because as well as being a military sub, they also seem to be drilling for oil. Yeah, I think the thing is they're out on manoeuvres, aren't they? They're like they're doing, um, like practice runs mm. for in case they need to fire a bit. But whilst they're out there, they might as well be being useful. Yeah. So I don't know how how historically accurate that is. It I you know could well be the case that that's the sort of thing Russian subs did get up to in the eighties. So they begin to unthaw the yeah. quote unquote mammoth. Yeah, the it's some uh, it's I forget it's just some nameless grunt on the ship, isn't it? Because um, yeah, the professor has has instructed them that he wants them it to be thawed out when they reach Moscow, but he's like curiosity has gotten the better of him, I guess. I was kind of hoping it would be Captain America. That would have been an interesting crossover, wouldn't it? If he just came out the ice, just beat up a whole submarine of Russians for an hour. (laughs) Uh, Whilst the Doctor sort of stood around looking disapproving. Oh no, it'd be even better if the Doctor just wasn't there. (laughs) Well, if if we just accidentally ended up watching an instalment of uh, the MCU for 45 minutes. That would do. But... Yeah, it's a monster. It is. Um, we don't and really see like much the, of it. The arm, no, just the arm shoots out. Yeah, and, and it grabs gives like takes. a sort of visceral moan, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, then we get the titles. And yeah. I, I've just written, the monster is raising all holy hell as the TARDIS appears. Yeah. That's pretty much it. It is. So it the is Doctor indeed. was trying to get to Vegas. Yes. And he immediately starts giving instructions to stop the submarine from sinking. Yeah. 
the TARDIS disappears. Yes. Which is, is interesting. Convenient. Always seems to happen when they're trapped in a base. Uh-huh. Or it falls down a hole or something like that. Yeah. Um, the Doctor begins to argue with Captain Zukov. And he does so until the monster appears. Yeah. So the Doctor then gives us everything we need to know about the Ice Warrior. So it's from Mars. Yeah. And it's been there 5,000 years. Yes, yeah. So um, I'm trying to think where this will fit in with content. So this... Because I'm pretty sure the first Ice Warriors story, it's set in our future. Mm-hmm. So for, be, beyond where we are now. Um, and I think it is also set in the North Pole rather than the South Pole. Um, and some, some Ice Warriors get thawed out there. So I guess this could well have been an Ice Warrior from the same sort of group that they stumbled across and, mm-hmm. and was split off from. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Just kind of fitting that in in my head. I don't know whether that's ever been confirmed anywhere. But, so the but anyway, yeah. yeah the, it tells oh, us that he is Grand Marshal Skaldak. Yes. So this isn't just any Ice Warrior. Is that a classic villain? No. This is new for the series, but it's basically just to, to be like, you know, this isn't just some you know, uh, work-a-day average Ice Warrior. This is, like, one of the greatest military heroes mm-hmm. of the entire Ice Warrior race. I'm trying to think of like what a good equivalent would be in human terms if you uh, sort of thawed out, like... Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> He's always my go-to when I have to think of, like, a great person. <laughs> But anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so in in human terms, he's pretty barbaric. You know, some of the things the doctor describes that he did. Yeah, because um, they do that like, classic thing when it's someone we don't know who they are, but they're supposed to be important. The doctor mm. always knows who they are. Yes, and he yeah. tells us that they're important. Yeah, we just get a little history lesson. Yeah, so he's chained up. Everyone on board, sort of. I can't remember how they subdue him. But eventually they just sort of tie him to a pole, don't they? They do, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then we've just... <laughs> what was already a, 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 a complicated situation has gotten even more complicated. Because, uh, you know... So, we get an explanation of what the Ice Warriors are. Yes. Uh, do, do they just like living in cold places? Is that why they're called the Ice Warriors? So... Um, it's one of those things where it's like, I kind of a lot of this has happened retroactively because, of course, when they're first introduced, it's the humans that dubbed them the Ice Warriors because they were found in ice yeah. at the pole. Um, subsequent to that, other writers have sort of forgotten about that, and so they, the, the Ice Warriors started self-identifying as Ice Warriors, at which point you've got to <laughs> kind of square that. So the way the Doctor describes it in this is that... They, Mars originally had a warmer climate that eventually it became a colder climate and they had to adapt to survive mm-hmm. and so they created their sort of biomechanical suits which we see him in and that is why they sort of take on the mantle of ice warriors because they are living in these the icy Martian climate Did you ever used to watch the TV show? I'm pretty certain it was called Ice Warriors 
And it was like gladiators, but on ice. I did not. Uh, I do not remember that at all. Hold on. Ice Warriors. I, I mean, I remember gladiators, obviously. But... Ice Warriors. Yeah, game show. So it was from the 24th of January to the 21st of March in 1998. Just the one series, eh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was similar format to Gladiators, except all the games were played on ice. Mm. I, I can't remember anything about it other than it was Gladiators on ice. And there was one that was called, I'm certain it was called Skullduggery. And he had this insane helmet. It was brilliant. Presumably a skull-themed helmet. Yeah. Um, although there doesn't seem to be any pictures of it on yeah. Google. That's a shame. Have you noticed that we're kind of the unluckiest generation in terms of being able to find the TV of our youth? Because all the stuff from a lot of the stuff from the 70s and the 80s is you know, has been lovingly preserved, put out on DVD and, and, and VHS and stuff like that for like for the nostalgia market of that generation. But because a lot of stuff in the 90s, it was all pre-digital. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, you know, out there on torrents and iPlayer and things like that. That didn't exist. People would occasionally tape stuff off the telly, but if they didn't, and or they taped it and then haven't thought to transfer it to digital later and put it on YouTube or something like that, it just doesn't exist because it's not being released on DVD and no one's going to release obscure 90s TV shows on DVD at this point because there's no market for it. So there's a lot of stuff from that period that is just lost. All that yeah. stuff circa like 92 to 98, it's just, it, it's, it might as well not exist. Well, I've gone down a Wikipedia rabbit hole here, and I'm looking up. I don't know if you remember a TV series called The Last Train. I do not know uh, what happened on The Last Train. Uh, basically, it was the end of the world, but a train was going through a tunnel, uh-huh. and they release some liquid nitrogen when it's in the tunnel, and it freezes everyone for like 14 years. Uh, That's so dumb. And then when they wake up, it's like the end of the world. It was really, really good. Uh, really? But again, on the Wikipedia, it just says, as of today, the series has not been released on DVD or any other format and has never aired in the US. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like the, the, there's all these shows of that period that are, are like, presumably there are tapes of them out there somewhere, but like, who's going to go to the effort of transferring them and making them available digitally so then they don't end up on streaming services mm. they don't end up on youtube they don't end up on torrents they just it, it they 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 always that they might as well be like you know those missing 97 doctor who episodes <laughs> you know might, those tapes might as well be wiped because they just sat on a shelf somewhere and no one is ever going to pick them up and do anything with them oh the last trains on youtube the full series it's nearly five oh, there hours. you go i think i might Someone's watch that it. this week now that i'm off work for the summer <laughs> you have nothing else to do with your time uh no no i am playing a lot of computer games at the moment i bet I bet. I even did a, a little stream on Twitch this week. where me, Yeah, me, fuck Twitch, by the way. 
Yeah, you, you struggled, didn't you? I tried to get on the chat. I tried to get on the chat, and and um, it was like, oh, you download the app. I was like, fine, I'll download the app. I've not had it on for ages, so I downloaded the app. Uh, I tried to log into my account. It says you need to reset your password because you're not logged in for a while. So I was like, so click here to send an email to reset your password. I was like, okay, I'll click on that. Do I get an email? Do I buggery? So I'm just like, I'm just sat there. For, for for about 10 minutes waiting for this email to come through tried it a couple of times didn't come through gave up you're lost twitch yeah i you know i it's it's I, it shouldn't frustrate me as much as it does but it really frustrates me those kind of things where it's just like if you just let me use the password i'd already set i don't care about how secure my twitch account is <laughs> no what so, who's going? What's anyone gonna do with that if they uh, manage to hack my Twitch? They might account? release videos showing you're really bad at Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, I am really bad at Sonic the Hedgehog. That's fine. I'm happy to have that information <laughs> out there. <laughs> See, on on Twitch, I played the Batman Telltale Adventure game. Right. And I tried to play it in a way where I was the worst Batman ever. <laughs> So I was, made all the wrong choices. No, no, no. Like, I was still solving crimes, but at one point I broke a man's arm just because he wronged me. Uh-huh. And it ended with me impaling a man on a spike. Mm. I mean, is that not basically standard Batman at this point? Certainly on, on screen. Uh, yeah, but I still think he's got a moral compass. I did spend a lot of time I mean, telling really? everyone I was Batman as well. I mean, I, I, I'm not the only person who have made this point, but like Batman versus Superman era Batman, that man is a is a serial killer. Yeah, he's a maniac. He is just a just an insane murderer. So, so yeah, I as know. is Superman in that. Like they're both just. I don't know. I might, cold I might do another stream this week. <laughs> if if one person tweets us and says, hashtag Matt. Play a game, I'll do it again. <laughs> Just one person. Just one person. You'll I'll... do it even if nobody tweets. Yeah, I might do. I, like, <laughs> I've been playing. I'm really into Spider-Man at the minute, so I don't really want to play anything else. But then it'll be people watching me halfway through. I don't think anyone would mind. Yeah, I am playing Spider-Man like a proper Spider-Man though. You, you're not. Going around breaking people's arms. No, no, no. Helping. Uh, I spent a lot of time today collecting someone's pigeons for them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's proper spider man for sure. Yeah. Um, you really don't want to talk about this episode, do you? Uh, I'll talk about anything else. So, <laughs> so, yeah, whilst the Doctor's explaining what the Ice Warriors are, Skaldak, like, starts summoning his battle brothers, doesn't he? He releases, like, this signal into the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get another little bit where it's Steppershin just wanting to start the war. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Doctor says they should have set Skaldak go. You know, by trapping him, they're risking a greater danger than the current Cold War. Yeah. Because I think we got, I think we glossed over doing it because I forgot, because um, my brain's not really been in gear. Um, Steppershin, he... He basically sets this whole thing in motion by when the Doctor is initially trying to just rationally talk to Skaldak, he, like, zaps him with a cattle prod. Yeah. That's how they ended up with him chained up. Because So, in a set, it, in, in effect, it's Steppershin 
is the first to kind of break the Cold War and start the cycle of violence in this story. Um, because at that point, you know, they've become the antagonists and, um, yeah, they can't go back from that, basically. Uh, anyway, yes, yeah, sorry. So skipping forward to where, where we're currently at. Yeah, so he really wants to start the war. Um, yeah. And the, the Doctor says, rather than antagonising and wanting to fight, what we should do is talk to him. Because, mm -hmm. you know, he's a soldier, if nothing else. Yes. And, you know, there's a camaraderie almost between soldiers. Yeah. They feel the same way about the cause they're fighting for. So mm. he says it should be Zukov that should talk to him. But... Zukov worries that's going to antagonise him further, so they agree Clara should do it. Yeah, I like this exchange because because the, the Doctor says at one point um, Zukov can't because, like, you know, he's another soldier and, like, um, Skadok would, like, smell that on him. So the, the Doctor volunteers that he's going to go and Zukov says, oh, you, you'd think he wouldn't smell it on you, Doctor. So I, I like that, you know... Even though Zukov doesn't know the Doctor that well, he knows he's a he's, soldier. He's got that measure of him that even as much as he might protest, he has that history of conflict. Hmm. Um, I it's one of those just little things that I love anytime it comes up when the the Doctor just has that sort of meeting of minds with someone that he encounters where they just there's like this unspoken level by which they understand each other. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's something that crops up every so often in, in, in Doctor Who. And I always enjoy it. I think, I think Liam Cunningham plays it really well in this episode. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So they basically rope poor Clara into be this neutral party, but they, they, they hook her up with a headset. Yeah. So, so she enters the room to yeah. go talk to Skaldak and, after a while, it becomes evident he's not in his armour anymore. Yeah, first of all, he very quickly tires of Clara because he knows she's just, like, basically a puppet and it's actually the Doctor talking through her. Um, and, yeah, and then I love the reveal of this where Clara kind of just taps the helmet and it just flips mm. open and there's nothing in there. So the Doctor um, says he must be desperate because the Doctor's never seen one without its armour. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I mean, and that's true. Never and never happened in the classic series. This is uncharted water for, for Ice Warriors. And, then, and it's, a, it's an ambitious idea. Yeah, but it's a nice way to update them and modernise them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a little iffy on the execution, but we'll, we'll get there. Okay. So the Professor that loves Ultravox has noticed uh -huh. the distress signal has stopped broadcasting. Yeah. And they sort of put two and two together here and they realise he's left his armour because he fears nobody is coming for him to rescue him. Yeah, he's just got... He's, he knows he's 5,000 years in the future and he's basically assumed, look, my people must be dead. They've not contacted me. Nobody's coming. So, as he says, I think a bit later in the episode, basically all he has left at this point is revenge. If if they came to get him, would they recognise him? Like, how much would a species change in 5,000 years? Depends on the species, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you go back in time 5,000 years here, 
like well, they'd still be recognisably human. I know, but would they be like far shorter? Mm. Potentially, because they'd have been like undernourished by today's or, standards, or long, or or maybe taller. I mean, humans as a species have been getting taller mm. through the centuries. Um, I it's it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, I think there's also a point. I mean, there's biological evolution, then there's also societal evolution. Um, I wonder whether biological evolution starts to stagnate a little bit when you reach a sort of technological plateau. Mm. You know, we as human beings, are we going to actually continue to evolve massively now that we are just inventing devices to do everything for us? Mm. Or are we going to stay physically so sort of where we are? Do you know what I mean? Um, so I wonder, because the, the 5,000 years ago, the Ice Warriors were already a technologically advanced race, far ahead of human beings. Yeah. Are they going to continue? Are they going to actually be quite similar to kind of how he left them? I because would his... I think technology does hit plateaus. But would his like language be the same? Would he be speaking like an ancient dialect? Probably fairly archaic, but but hey, he's a legendary hero. They'd have him back, I'm sure. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know, if someone just came to your house and was like, Hi, I'm King Arthur, can I come in? Would you let them? They had evidence. <laughs> if he just went, oh, I've got this sword. I got it from a lady in a lake. I'd be like, can you leave the sword outside, please? I don't think I would like that in the house, thank you very much. Well, if we go back to last week, what would happen if Jesus turned up at your door? <laughs> back on that I'd let him You'd in slam it in his face <laughs> get out of here you do, punk do I need to clarify what I said last week uh, I mean because the, the episode's only just released as we're, as we're recording this one so I, I have no idea whether there has been any genuine push I mean I, I didn't intend to offend anyone um, except Jesus except Jesus um, and he look. forgives you so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, he had, he's he all had right. To die to yeah. So they say. Um, anyway, um, where are we with this? I so I'm so lost at this is point. <laughs> attacked by Skaldak. And yeah, and his big long fingers. Yeah, because he he tried to sort of do the do the let's make a pact. Yeah, well, thing, they which kind of is relate thing. to one another a little bit, don't they? Yeah. Like, when they talk about, like, mutually assured destruction and things. But at the end of the day, Stepashin is nowhere near in the same league as Skeldak. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, the professor that loves Ultravox gives the Doctor his sonic screwdriver back. Yeah. And he then... Strays a little bit from Ultravox, says he really likes Duran Duran as well. Yeah. So we've discussed Ultravox. What are your thoughts on Duran Duran? I have no thoughts on Duran Duran. I've just never bothered with them. It's not really my... Like, I've heard bits and bobs on the radio and just been like, this is fine for what it is, but it's not really my thing. It's become a bit of a running joke between me and some workmates that whenever we move house, uh, everyone buys, as a housewarming gift, a copy of Duran Duran's Greatest Hits. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really know how it started, but like 
we've just reached a point where it's like, oh, no house should be without one. <laughs> um, so I've currently got it's in my car, actually. The greatest hits yeah. of Duran Duran. That's exciting. So, I mean, do you enjoy Duran Duran? Mm, not necessarily. I think <laughs> other than Rio and maybe... Do they sing Ordinary World? Possibly. Uh, I I would struggle to name a Duran Duran song, really? to be honest. Yeah, I yeah mean, Ordinary World, that's a good song. I have... My my knowledge of like mainstream music has holes big enough to drive a herd of elephants through, because I, I when I started to get to develop my own taste in music, I very quickly started to go down rabbit holes of progressive rock and experimental music, avant garde stuff. So I could wax lyrical about you know King Crimson or Henry Cow or you know. Um, really strange obscure music i mean not that king crimson is particularly obscure but like you know bands like henry cow and cardiacs and and uh, stuff like that but like actual mainstream music i've never i've had very little exposure to because my parents didn't really listen to a lot of it when i was growing up i was mostly listening to classical music and jazz so i don't really unless it's pop music like for example bowie who you mentioned i I, I own several Bowie albums and I really am fascinated by Bowie. And one day, actually, I want to make sure that I've listened to every single album of his in full multiple times. I've not got to that stage yet. But, um, but yeah, a lot of more mainstream stuff I just passes me by, you know? See, just to go back to Bowie, I have never listened to his final album, Dark Star. Nor have I. It's yeah. part of me doesn't want to because that's the end, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I, I don't so relate to sort that. Sort of want to accept it's the end. It's the same reason I've never read The Shepherd's Crown by Terry Pratchett. Mm. I'm a huge, huge Pratchett fan, and it's the last book in a series that he did. It's one of my favourite series of his, the Tiffany Aching stories, and I cannot, for the life of me, bring myself to read it mm. because when I do, that's it. it there's no more yeah and I, you know so that, that's it, it's a tough prospect when you really really love something to be like oh, this is the end of it it's one of the nice things about doctor who is it will never end you know it can't Fingers end it's the still hope that even if look even if it's cancelled on tv you cannot kill the the concept of doctor who you know what I mean? It can, because it's a character that can be played by anyone. It's a series that can go anywhere. It will always exist in some form or other, even if it's just uh, people writing fan fiction. Even if there is no officially licensed Doctor Who stuff, which is hard to imagine because well, certainly so long as the BBC is, is the license holders, it's it's a cash cow for them. They will always be able to make money off of Doctor Who through you know publishing books or licensing audio or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I find it very hard to imagine a world in which there is no new Doctor Who stuff being made ever at any point. It's a shame, um, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, anyway, if we rewind all the way through that, back to Duran Duran. Yes. He, he asked Clara to sing with him. Yeah. And she says no. Whilst they're having this conversation, Skaldak steals two more men and tears them apart. Yeah. Except he doesn't tear them apart it's a forensic dissection he wants to understand human weakness yeah then we get a little bit that i quite liked where clara discusses bravery 
with the professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was one of the sort of good beats of this episode. Definitely. We slowly but surely I think we're starting to get more of who this Clara is. Mm. I feel like um So when the professor's trying to calm Clara because at this point he says he believes her that she's a time traveller and yeah. he wants to know what happens and she says, oh, I can't tell you. <laughs> and what he really wants to know is, do Ultravox split up? <laughs> well, the sad news is, and I wrote this down from Wikipedia, they split up yeah. five years later in 1988. Oh, that's a shame. Well, he's got he's got a decent run at least to look forward to there. There was a semi-reunion with one original band member in 1992 and a full reunion in 2008 for Live Aid. But then, I feel like it, it, for it to class as a reunion, you've got to have at least two members. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just one person doing covers with some mates. <laughs> and then they split again in 2017. Well, there you go. So, Apache history, but, you know, pretty standard for a lot of bands, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Skaldak appears, and the Professor shoots it, and is attacked himself. Yeah. Because... This is where we sort of get the reveal that Skaldak wants to fire the nuclear missiles. He wants yeah. to start the Cold War and he wants Earth to end for their treatment of him and his people. Yeah. So, in order to escape, his armour comes to save him. So now he's back in his armour. Yes, yeah. But we get we get a little conversation with him, like, in his armour but with his head exposed don't we? is that now or is that a little uh, bit later it's pretty much now basically he primes yeah. the warhead and the yeah. doctor then implores mercy yeah but he implores um, mercy by threatening him <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember the dialogue now how unpack that for me how does he basically goes you know you have the opportunity to be peaceful don't launch the nukes if you do i'll fucking kill you anyway well i don't think it's that is it not that he says look if you're going to launch this, I will stop this from happening. I will blow up this submarine now. I will That's kill everyone it. on board. Yeah. So it, it, if that is what it takes to stop you triggering a worldwide nuclear war, because it's the lesser of two evils. Mm. Um, so I think that that's the threat. So I want to, this. I feel now is the time to talk about Skaldak's head. In yep. relation to the rest of it. So I agree with you. The hands, I think, are quite good. The sort of, the, the it's obviously practical effects, you know, those long claw-like hands of his. The head, for one, it's a little bit shriveled looking. Yeah, it's a little bit small kind compared of, to the rest of his body. Yeah, but it I, doesn't I quite look imposing. I wonder if that's just because he's in the armour. Maybe, but I kind of, I expected it, them to be bulkier, like have bulkier heads. Mm to match that bulky armour, and the animation on the mouth when it's speaking. I I don't like knocking CGI, because I know they're working with a limited budget and a limited time frame and stuff like that, and generally I'm very accepting of some pretty dodgy stuff in, in Doctor Who, but the, the way that mouth moves takes me out of it every time I watch this episode, because it just... It's so... Do you know what I mean? It's like, it it's mm. so fluid... And rubbery in its movements that it doesn't it doesn't really look it doesn't ring true to me mm. it doesn't really look like he's got like face muscles working it just looks like a weird 
aperture flapping about. It, it weirdly <laughs> looks more like a rubber mask than some of the rubber masks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, And, and I'm sure it was just a budget and time thing. Mm. I'm sure with more money and more time, they could have done a better job on that. But it's, it's a shame that it doesn't qu- quite ring true because... I think the the vocal performance as well. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's Nick Briggs doing the voice of the Ice Warrior Skaldak. Let me just double check that. I don't want to be talking out my ass. Yeah, it's uh, it's Nicholas Briggs who does uh, the Daleks, does the Cybermen. He's also one of the main producers out over at Big Finish, mm-hmm. and does a lot of writing and and uh, performing for for them as well. Um, just a a, a really really important figure in the world of Doctor Who really certainly uh modern Doctor Who um so yeah nice for him to come back and do do the ice wars and I, and I like I like what he does with the voice for Skaldak because as I say the originals they're really hoarse and whispery and that would not have worked in uh 2013 so yeah um, it, I don't know I don't know how I feel about the the design Part of me doesn't mind it, and then part of me, I just wish we'd seen him entirely out of his armour. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, we get a couple of puppet arms and a, and a CGI head that doesn't quite match. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah. It's more the fact it doesn't match that I would want to see. Yeah. So, well, who knows? There's still yeah. time. He's unmasked, and then, we we didn't really mention this earlier on, Clara talks to him about his daughter. Now, earlier... He talks oh, about, yeah, yeah. you know, the pride of the Ice Warriors and how he and his daughter had fought yeah. many a battle together. They'd sung the songs of the Red Snow. Yeah, and and then obviously he's he's been trapped in the ice. His and his daughter is presumably, as he says, will be dead by now. Mm. So he's so he's kind of grieving. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's like. The one of the nice things about the Ice Warriors is it's three dimensional. He's he's not just a mindless monster. You can understand the pain that he's feeling, and coming from a warlike warrior race, that's going to manifest through violence. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. At this point, then the Ice Warriors come to rescue him. Yeah. So they, so they did get the message. Yeah. Presumably they just didn't have a way of just just uh, replying, just like, yeah, we're on our way. <laughs> just hang in there. <laughs> so they lift the submarine from the ocean floor. Yeah. And they sort of just beam him up, don't they? They teleport him away. Yeah, classic UFO beaming yeah. scenario. So all the nukes are still armed. Mm-hmm. And one shot from the Ice Warriors will blow them up. Yeah. So... The Doctor manages to disarm them. And then we get the sort of end of the episode. Yeah. Where everyone's smiley, everyone's safe. The Doctor says the TARDIS is back. Yeah. The only problem it's is... it's at the pole. It's at the South Pole, not the North yeah. Pole. So he asks for a lift, and then they all laugh like it's the gayest of times. Yeah. And the episode ends with the Doctors saluting the Ice Warriors as they leave. Yeah. So yeah, so the thing is, it's it's not the worst episode we've ever seen. But no, it's it's. I, I feel it's we've really seen solid. 
Base Under Siege, Monster of the Week episodes that are better. Potentially. What would you, what would you say is, is, would you rank higher than this in terms of that sort of genre of Doctor Who where it's just like closed environment running around um, with a monster? Is it the Impossible Planet I'm thinking of? Where... Yeah, the the Satan Pit. Yeah, Impossible Planet and Satan Pit is the two parter. Yeah, on on that where basic we get the sort of like two. evil men with big black eyes and face tattoos. Uh, well, kind of. It's yeah. It's like the the, the weird alien script goes all over yeah. the, the guy's face, and and then yeah, later on the Doctor meets the devil, and that's the one that introduces the Ood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. So that's still there's, there's your high water mark. Spaceship, isn't there? Forty-two. That's the maybe. one I'm thinking of, which yeah. I think I like. Didn't really like at the time, but I think it's the one I'm thinking of. Right, that's the one with the sentient sun that they were mining, that like infects people. Yeah, I, I've got an image in my head of like a big man in overalls. Is that the one I'm thinking of? I couldn't tell you. Maybe. Uh... It's the one with, like, a big welding mask. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. I've just Google imaged it. Yeah. See, I, I still don't get on with that one particularly. Yeah. I don't know. It's been so long I can barely remember it. But I think Tennant to... feels like a long time ago at this point, doesn't he? He's only one Doctor away. But yeah. Like, going back to, like, Series 2, Series 3, that feels like a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know. I can't even remember if I liked or hated that episode. In my mind, <laughs> I've got, like, a fondness for it now, but... I might I be know. just I, mashing up like ten different episodes. For, Forty-two is just like a it's just like a bit of a nothing episode for me. Mm. Um, but which I guess this one is for you. I I, I guess you're probably not going to be remembering this one a couple of weeks nah. from now. But mm. uh, well, who knows? Maybe next week's will be more memorable for you. So uh, next week we are going to be discussing Hyde. All right. That's all it's called. Just Hyde. Just hide. Yeah. It's sort of hard to make a decision about that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, okay. I'm enjoying this this game, though, so come on. Uh, are we going future, past, uh, spaceship? I'm going to say either modern and past, and it's going to be something like the Weeping Angels, where you can't look at it, or if it sees you, you're in trouble, so you have to hide. Yeah, I mean, I guess you've, you know... We've introduced an episode called Blink, so again, it's a one-word verb yeah. instruction kind of thing. So yeah, maybe it, it, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's Could... just about like beaver pelts. <laughs> yeah, that. I don't know how that you can sustain forty-five minutes of drama with that, but who knows? We'll find out next week. Uh, but until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and uh, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.